morning, everyone. So yeah, I am a doctoral student in the Department of Agronomy and Horticulture. And uh, for the last couple of years, we have been working um, in this research project. I know that some of you, especially in Eastern Nebraska, might be familiar with the topic. Some of you might not. Uh, at any rate, uh, today you will be able to get some of the highlights on, on the subject. I am representing here my research team, which uh, also includes doctors Justin McMeckan, Tom Hogemeyer, and uh, Roger Elmore. A quick overview of my presentation. So I will uh, start with a brief introduction. I, uh, I will show some highlights from the review of literature. Uh, we also did some field survey work back in 2016 and also I will present some of the experimental work that we have been conducting since 2018 through 2020. And finally, I will close with some results. So to get started, uh, the reports of uh, ear abnormalities in corn, they started back in August 2016. And at that point, a crop wash article was released almost the same month. And uh, the initial thought is that these development issues were correlated with the loss of primary ears. We will be able to see a little bit more of that later on. Several of the reports initially came from the Nebraska region. So initially we thought that this was a problem that was maybe isolated to, to the state. However, later on, Several other reports came from different regions that extended from the Texas Panhandle and moving um, north in eastern Colorado, east through Nebraska, Iowa, and Illinois. So it became a regional concern at that point. From our literature review, uh, we were able to learn that there, is, there has not been enough research in this area we also identified that there are 10 commonly known symptoms. I will discuss a little bit more about those. And there is also three of these symptoms are our widespread concern from 2016. We understand that ear abnormalities are the outcome of potential interactions between our overarching factors for crops, which is the genetics, environment and management practices can play a role too. Over time, we know that ear abnormalities can affect grain yield and grain quality as well. And the understanding and mitigation of these abnormalities is uh, those are imperative steps towards higher production and sustainable agriculture. This poster here is showing some of a, a summary of the literature review that we conducted. And uh, this was presented a few months ago at the Agronomy Society meetings. So what we are highlighting in these posters are all those uh, symptoms reported and also the focus that we are taking with our research. So let's look at the commonly known symptoms. We start in the top left. Uh, they are called flattened or fasciated ears. 
A second symptom may be pinch or reduced number ears. I am highlighting with my mouse, hopefully. Uh, the third group is arrested ears. We also have the beer can or blunt ears. We have tassel ears. Now on the top right corner, we are looking at silk balling ears, silk clipped ears, banana shaped, zipper ears, and finally D-backs. Those are some of the reports that we can find in the literature. However, our focus comes here in the center. In the middle, we are looking at three different groups, and these are the groups that follow the 2016 reports from our grower fields. The first group are the multi-ears or bookheads. The second group are barbell ears or also called dumbbell-shaped ears. And finally, we have short-hast ears. Again, we are highlighting the, what has been known versus uh, what is the recent concern. Uh, above all, we are trying to understand these abnormalities as the result of combinations of the genetics, environment, and management. However, specific causes are still to be found, and uh, that's where we are playing a role here. So with that quick introduction and overview of these symptoms, um, our over overarching objective is to study the underlying causes of ear development issues in corn and the subsequent productivity losses that come along. So we can look at the classification here. We can um, first, let's look at normal ears. Normal ears, those are uh, well-sized, good row number, good formation of kernels in the entire ear. And as we can see in the picture, also a nice cover of those kernels, no exposure. That's what we would like to have. However, our abnormality symptoms are categorized in three groups. The first group is uh, multi-ears. Multi-ears can uh, vary at different rates, but basically multi-ears are those that you find more than one ear in the same plant node. As you can see in the pictures, in the top left, three ears in the same node. In the middle, you have four ears in the same node, and in the bottom right, you have seven ears on the same node. Our second category, those are barbell ears. Barbell ears are those that experience an skip of kernels or a gap within a specific section. In the top left, we have barbell ear one, when that skip or gap is located in the base. We have barbell two, when that skip or gap is present towards the center or the middle. And we also have barbells three, which are kernel skips towards the tip. In all of these cases, uh, something important to highlight is that the calf diameter suffers a significant uh, decrease, as you can see in these pictures. And our group number three is, uh, they are short husks. Short husks are those ears that they were not properly covered. As we can see on the top left, 
there is a 70% shortage. In the center is probably a 80% shortage. And a more extreme case on the bottom right is a 90% shortage. Those are our three ear groups that we are working on. But in order to understand this, uh, any of these events, first, we need to have a comprehensive understanding of what growth and development look like for corn. In this illustration here, we uh, demonstrate what looks uh, since planting and all the way to harvest or full maturity on the right. Also, as we understand, the yield components definition happens at different times during the growing season. It starts with plant population, moving on to ear initiation around the B5 stage. Then we have the kernel roll definition, which also happens at the vegetative stages. We also have the set of number of kernels per roll. And finally, we have kernel weight definition more towards the reproductive stages. So the era of normalities that we are uh, investigating here, we expect the window of occurrence anytime between the B5 and the BT or R1 stages. And that is because um, after the R1 or R2 stages, the years that we have in those plants, they are already developed and they have uh, um, the characteristics that they will present for the almost the rest of the season. So with this background, field service were conducted in 15 growers fields in Nebraska in 2016. These uh, field service were uh, basically following those reports of abnormalities. The 15 fields were located mostly in central and eastern Nebraska, as we highlight in this map. Multiple hybrids and seed companies were included in this survey. From each field, anywhere between 50 to 100 plants were sampled for further processing. The yield range that we observed was anywhere between 103 to 260 bushels per acre. And um, in those conditions, and for a given field, up to almost 50% of abnormalities were documented. Now, from those plants that we look at in the field and after field sampling, these are some of the uh, data collection and measurements that we have been working since 2016. We start with plant measurements where we look at uh, ear height, internal length, node numbers, and we also take some uh, further processing on ear length versus husk length. Our step number two is the ear classification, as I highlighted before. And our last step here is uh, looking at gear components. We want to understand what are what is the productivity level of a uh, normal plant versus an affected plant. So from those measurements and the field survey results in 2016, we were able to see that 12 of those fields were categorized as affected, 
this was depending on the incidence and frequency of the issues. And um, in those 12 fields, this is the distribution of normals versus abnormals. Basically, 22% of the years were categorized as abnormals showing any of the symptoms. Moreover, from those uh, sample fields as well, we look at the position of ears, comparing normals on the left versus abnormals. We look at the ear height in the vertical axis and also at the ear node on the second vertical axis. What we were able to learn from this analysis is that there was a lower ear placement for abnormal ears. This point here can connect back to the first article report that was uh, correlating ear abnormalities with primary ear abortion. This is something that supports that hypothesis. And finally, we are always interested in productivity and yields. This is the production of their uh, plants. And we see that normal ears outyielded everything else by a long shot. So whenever we were looking at abnormal ears, at least 35 to 91% of losses were uh, documented. This is at the plant level. So those are the results that we were able to see from the field service. Now, initially, we didn't have as many questions as we have now. Now we are working on uh, primary ear loss, internal length. We are looking at hybrid specific questions. We are looking at weather, at growth regulator, at management, for example, seeding rates, planting dates. We are also looking to timing of emergence, of uh, plants in those fields, ear placement, and some other variables like solar radiation. So in order to address at least some of these questions, field trials were established from 2018 through 2020. Seven fields have been conducted, three of them at the UNL farms, one of them in Lincoln, another in Clay Center, and another in Mead. And also we have other industry trials that we have partnered with uh, one of the local companies with locations in Lawrence, Hooper, Philly, and York. Across the seven fields, we are evaluating eight different hybrids genetics. We are also looking at four planting dates starting uh, early, sorry, mid-April all the way to late May. We are also looking at seeding rates from low population to high population and some hourly delay plantings. Our first set of experiments is described here, two locations and four planting dates and six hybrids. The planting dates starting mid to late April, moving through early May, mid-May and late May. In addition to those planting dates, we also include six hybrids. We have two categories of hybrids. Three of them are in the group of susceptibles based on field observations in the past. And these susceptibles are mostly related to racehorse hybrids. Those are hybrids that by definition, the yield varies depending on conditions. 
We also have three shack hybrids. They are in the category of, of workhorses, and we know those are more stable. Stable yields are expected out of um, these genetics. This is a picture of one of the research fields uh, illustrating before planting dates, planting day four, maybe before a stage, and comparing to planting day one, uh, which could be already a B9, B10 stage. Our second set of experiments, four fields. We look at five seeding rates starting at 18,000 seeds per acre, which we know that will give us a very low population, and moving in increments of 8,000 until we reach 50,000 seeds per acre, where there is a high plant population, higher competition. As a combination here, we also include four susceptible hybrids and four shed hybrids. Looking into some of the results from these uh, recent studies, 2018 through 2020, this is a six field summary from the 2018 year. In the x-axis or horizontal axis, we have the locations and in the y-axis, we look at the number of issues or the number of affected years. Basically, from 2018, the main takeaway is that about 7% of abnormalities were documented in our six fields. Moving on, in 2019, the number of abnormalities was a little bit higher. Now we were looking at a 12% across all sites and conditions. Now from those abnormal years that we have been documenting, this is the distribution among the hybrids. We see that the susceptible hybrid category has accounted for about 17% of the abnormalities whether only a 30% is in the group of uh, shake or uh, resistant hybrids. This is an example only for 2018. However, the same conditions have been seen in the subsequent years, 2019 and 2020. Now, from those abnormal years, this is the distribution among the classification in the x-axis, we have uh, the ear types, and in the vertical axis, we have again number of issues. So what we want to learn from here in the 2018 is that the short husk category has accounted for the majority of abnormalities. And when we say short husk, it's important to mention that we are only referring to ears that uh, show greater than a 25% shortage. Why we do this is because there are some hybrids or genetics that by characteristic, they already have some level of shortage that can help the drying process at the end of the season. But in our category here, we are looking more at extreme cases, anything beyond 25%. Now into 2019, the same type of analysis, ear types, it shows that short husk was again the main ear type observed in our fields. Also in 2019, we started to see that there was an increase in the multi-ears appearance, and also 
barbell ears started to show up again. They were present in 2016. They were not present in 2018, but they came back again in 2019. Now, as far as planting dates, when we look at planting dates here in the horizontal axis, we have late April up to late May and the number of abnormalities recorded. What we see here is that there was a tendency towards less issues and abnormalities when we were looking at optimum planting dates in the middle. So we know that for Nebraska, early May, maximum mid-May uh, are kind of the better conditions for planting. So this is being reflected with the abnormalities recorded. In 2019, we were able to see a similar trend. Less abnormalities when we were closer to the optimum planting window. And the last factor, seeding rates. When we look at seeding rates here on the left hand, we look at low plant population, low seeding rates, and uh, moving up up to 50,000 seeds per acre where there is a high population, there is also more interplant competition. There is a higher competition for space, for radiation, for nutrients, for water, etc. So as expected, we were able to document that more ear abnormalities occur at the higher seeding rates. That is true for relative terms and also for absolute terms. In 2019, we see the same trend, but basically with a higher numbers doc being documented. Now, as a quick summary to what we have been learning so far, we know that it issues decrease grain yield and in many cases, grain quality as well. There is a lower placement for abnormal ears, but uh, supports the hypothesis of primary ear abortion. It issues have been found ever since then 2016. Every year we have been able to document these uh, different percentages of uh, abnormalities in our research fields. We have been able to see that susceptible hybrids show the majority of issues. Short husk has been the one accounting for the most of those. Early and late planting dates presented more issues, early meaning uh, close to mid-April when soil temperatures are probably still uh, quite low. And finally, we have been able to see the higher seeding rates resulted in more abnormalities as a response to probably higher competition. Trying to further explore some of our research questions, also, in 2020, a greenhouse trial was added. In this trial, we are looking and investigating different hybrids, different timings, different temperatures, and also we are working with some growth regulators. The take-home message that we want to uh, share today is that for us, it might be easy to think that 70 or more years of uh, research in corn the plants could be understood completely. However, that's not true. The issues that we affronted in 2016 
they have been repeated over the years. They are still reducing productivity, affecting growers, and also uh, making us to continue pondering the underlying causes. Uh, these are some of the resources available where you can read and learn a little bit more about the topic. They will be available um, on the presentation later on. And with that, I would like to thank you for your time. And uh, I think we, I will be able to take some questions at the end of this session in case that there is any. Thank you.